0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist. uh, I'm a nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. I'm going to run solo a little bit at the beginning here. Uh, Then we're going to catch up with Phil uh, toward the end of the news segment. And then we're going to have a discussion with Phil about, essentially, fatherhood. He had a discussion with Jim Wendler, and we'll have a clip from Jim and that sort of thing, and essentially just get a little deep on you, uh, delving into some of these, uh, topics of how you self-actualization and, uh, manhood and that sort of thing just relates to giving back and, and, and whatnot. So, but, um, all right. So I am running on, uh, just a couple hours sleep, uh, had a wee hours arrival back from Ireland. And so what I want to do is actually share a little bit, um, about some of the key dietary components that that culture has uh, because weightlifters really lean in this direction in a lot of ways, beef, potatoes, uh, even relaxing with a stout beer. You know, what are these things like, these typical dietary patterns? Um, Let me also just digress for a minute. Uh, I was there presenting some coffee data with students on serum epinephrine, right, adrenaline, and how it gets elevated from a combination of coffee and brief ballistic lifts. I don't want to go into gory detail about this, but essentially most research on coffee and caffeine deals with fatigue fighting effects. And you know, that's cool Uh, or endurance exercise, but that's not what I do. And that's not what many of you do. I mean, we might like to have an aerobic base, but in any case, The interesting finding was that there was a statistical trend a strong trend but it wasn't statistically significant so take it as what you will we're talking about p-values of like between 0.06 and 0.09 for you stats people but uh, it was a small sample size and that was part of the problem but anyway the point is uh, there was a 400 percent I mean if you want to put it in percent increase in the group who got two packets of via instant coffee before their brief lifts. And literally, we're just doing a couple of sets, maybe nine total repetitions of some um, 50% loads, but maximal dynamic efforts, right? So explosive lighter loads, just a handful of reps with benching, squatting. Um, And after consuming decaf, it really wasn't enough stimulus by itself in the control group or the decaf group to, um, to raise their serum adrenaline levels. And as you might know, adrenaline is related to muscle power output and several things, several of the adaptations that we see with strength training and exercise. But um, yeah, and like, geez, 430 to 450% increases depending on which time point we took the sample. So we give them some coffee uh, after we took a blood draw. And then 60 minutes after they finished the coffee, we did another blood draw. So just to get the coffee effect and then we did a blood draw at the very end after their brief ballistic lifts. Uh, And definitely something interesting, or at least trends towards something interesting going on. It just reinforced to me really sort of a mechanism, right? Between the alertness, we had another poster that was exploring the the effects of alertness and focus and whether you get habituated to it. And at least from our data, uh, which was a larger uh, number of subjects, 35 maybe, I'd have to go back and look, but. Uh, There was no blunting of some of the alertness and focus, and that's contrary to some of what prior research has suggested. But again, this was specifically as part of a pre-workout arrangement, right? Have your java and then hit the gym for a handful of um, brief non-fatiguing lifts. So I haven't really seen much of that in the literature, so I thought you guys might be interested in that. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit more in the future. Okay, but um, back to... Uh, the Food Science, and again, this is news, not because of the this mini random literature review that I did just now, uh, but because I just got back <laughs> from that culture. Uh, Western Ireland is an amazing place. Those of you who live there know that. It's I just love the authenticity and the practicality uh, of those folks. But So uh, on to the quote-unquote news. Strength and Muscle Sport News. First, we're going to take a look at beef, Uh, just a little bit. I'm just going to share a study or two of each one of these things. Uh, And again, Phil will eventually chime in here. But this first one is from Lenigan and colleagues from Dublin, University College of Dublin. They're from the NutriGenomics Research Group and the Physiotherapy and Sports Science Research Group. British Journal of Nutrition 2017, so fairly new, of course. Processed red meat consumption. Uh, or I'm sorry, processed red meat contribution to diet patterns and the associated cardiometabolic outcomes. So they start off by saying there's evidence that suggests that processed red meat intake is a risk factor for heart disease and diabetes. So they investigated the association uh, of red meats uh, and different kinds of meats actually, and they put them in dietary patterns. So uh, Dr. Nelson and I have been talking about this uh, in past months, that it's really a good idea to start to start, instead of looking at individual nutrients or food items, look at the patterns and try to look at the patterns by which people eat. Like a lot of our listenership, we're gonna have sort of that weightlifter, bodybuilder diet pattern, and you can define that in different ways. Um, So what they did is they looked at some survey data from 786 Irish adults. Again, this is about beef in Ireland. All meat-containing foods that were consumed were assigned to four groups of about 500 people on the basis of whether they contained red or white meat and whether it was processed or unprocessed. Now, this caught my eye because every time I go to conferences, I ask people that are presenting posters or at a podium, they start ripping on red meat, and I say, how did you define red meat? Do you mean hot dogs and bologna? Because that's not the same thing at all as sort of... um, you know, round steak, for example. So they actually took that step and looked at the differentiation. It says nutrient intakes, plasma fatty acids, and other biomarkers of cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes were assessed. Here's the results. The diet pattern with greater processed red meat intake did present a poorer healthy eating index. So in other words, when they're eating lots of processed red meat, overall they had you know less uh, variety in the different nutrients that they're taking in that sort of thing um the processed red meat eaters also had a greater proportion of smokers 29 percent of them they also had lower epa and dha so the omega threes, of course um, typically associated with with fish oil so um now, it did say there were no differences in classic biomarkers of heart disease and diabetes, including serum cholesterol, insulin, uh, and a couple of other markers. Uh, this suggests that the consideration that red meat consumption is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes may need to be reassessed. In fact, even the processed red meat intake didn't affect some of the biomarkers specific to these diseases. So interesting stuff to me this reinforces that you have to be careful in defining what you mean when you say red meat and also just throwing it under the bus right we have to control for things like smoking Um, they don't mention physical activity in here but sedentary behaviors which most of our listeners are not um, those are big deals and again it's, it's good to look at these different dietary patterns uh, and, and this really doesn't make me too worried about anything regarding unprocessed red meats, which are mostly the kinds that we would be consuming. So cool stuff straight from University College Dublin uh, about red meat. So what's next here? Um, oh, stout beer, Guinness. God, Guinness is so much a part of the Irish uh, identity uh, all over Dublin. You know, you'll hear people kind of snickering. There's old quotes from the 1920 marketing campaign about uh, Guinness is healthy, Guinness is good for you, things like that. So I wanted to take a look. I remember reading before that dark beers had more antioxidants and whatnot, and although that might not be part of a training diet, you know, enjoying a good stout while you relax, it could actually have some advantages over some of the cheap, crappy American beers. Like, I'm a stout guy. I like Guinness myself. Uh, So I looked into it, and here's a few things. If you like um, the dark beers. Um, Guinness, actually a 12 ounce servings of, serving of Guinness, and that's fairly small. That's not the way I was drinking it, but, um, generally about 125 calories. That's only 15 more than Bud Light. Now, you've already sold me, right? I I was sold on the taste factor, the taste difference. And if you guys are, anybody's a Bud Light drinker, a Miller 64 or something, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, Alcohol is Guinness's main calorie source. It's 4.2%. Alcohol, the dark color and sweetness, according to Time magazine, right, and again, not peer reviewed, but they're just generalities here, Uh, comes from small amounts of roasted barley in the brewing process. So as we toured the Guinness factory, it was sort of Willy Wonka, right, chocolate factory tour except for adults. It was cool, and they were talking about how that roasted barley. Guinness is actually not a black beer. Many of you know it's a very dark red beer. Uh, and then the hops is what makes that head on the beer so thick and, you know, that nitrogenated kind of action and all that, making Guinness so smooth. And um, Anyway, so Guinness is not super high uh, in calories. I was almost hoping it was so we could use it as a uh, <laughs> additional calorie source for lifting purposes weight gain, but... A couple of the things here about this. These are not brand new studies. This is from uh, Montero and colleagues, Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry, 2006. Again, sort of a random mini review. The aim of their work was to study the effect of the flavonoids um, from hops right, that you might get in the beer. like Again, it helps make up the head of the beer. Uh, in Guinness, the title of the paper is The Effect of Hop Flavonoids on Aromatase- that is estrogen synthase activity so a lot of times in weightlifting we talk about estrogen as something that obviously is turning testosterone aromatase that is turns testosterone into estradiol and we don't want a lot of that as men running around in our bodies right you don't want breast development and some of that sort of thing so the interesting thing here was um They looked at different kinds of beer containing the various uh, flavonoids and how they affected aromatase. Uh, Again, estrogen production. Um, It says lager beer, alcohol-free beer, stout beer, uh, all significantly decreased aromatase activity. So very interesting there. And again, including the alcohol-free beer. Now this is interesting because I've read some papers that alcohol can increase aromatase activity uh, so this looks like some of the flavonoids that you might get in your stout beer would maybe counter that or you know, have anti-estrogen uh, type effects. Mild, mild, but still. So it says the relevance for the prevention and treatment of estrogen dependent disorders such as breast cancer um, is something that's of interest. So interesting stuff from Montiero and colleagues about how some of those flavonoids in stout beer Um, And again, to be fair, lagers as well, um, might be mildly anti-estrogenic. So, okay, cool. Another one also uh, related to stout beer, um, Biochem Molecular Biology Education, 2008 from Logan and colleagues. This paper just says, plant-derived phenolic compounds, such as those found in red wine, tea, certain juices, and yes, stout beer, Uh, protect against cardiovascular disease by detoxifying or scavenging superoxide and other unstable reactive oxygen species. And it goes on to say the ones that are very rich in phenolic compounds, red wine, green tea, blueberry juice, and stout beer all exhibit appreciable superoxide scavenging. So interesting stuff. Maybe you're getting some mild anti-estrogen effects maybe you're at least anti-aromatase. And here you're getting some antioxidant effects that might help with things like muscle recovery, because oxidation is one of the stressors that happens during exercise. And even when you're really sore, rocked with soreness and whatnot. So maybe that old quote from the 1920s that Guinness is healthy, uh, there's more to it than we might think. So uh, very cool stuff. One more on Guinness. And indulge me, right? i I. This is what I order when I'm here in the States. So having it with almost every meal when I was over in Ireland, um, perfect for me. This is from Alcohol uh, Clinical Experimentation Research 2005. Effects of light and dark beer on hepatic cytochrome P450 expression in male rats. So what they're doing with this is they're looking to see what happens with light versus dark beer on these enzymes, the, the P450 enzymes, they break down various hormones and drugs uh, in the body. I think there's over 160 different um, actual enzymes in this P450 category. Interestingly, though, it says the mean expression of CYP1A2, CYP1A2, uh, and some of you know, we've talked about this in past months, but that's one of the enzymes that uh, makes you a fast or slow caffeine metabolizer, or at least plays a role in it, uh, and it can be induced up and down. But uh, so it breaks down caffeine in the body. Um, so it says the expression of CYP1A2 was greater in the liver microsomes from stout-infused rats. So they actually infused the rats with uh, light and dark beer. So um, this enzyme that could break down caffeine and other substances in the body was greater. Uh, in stout-infused rats than in lager-infused rats, and also greater than in ethanol, right? So straight alcohol-infused rats, as well as from the dietary controls. Um, It says there was no effect on testosterone hydroxylase activity, so that's another enzyme that could play a role, well, in this case, obviously, in testosterone breakdown. So conclusion, stout contains components other than the alcohol, other than ethanol, that interact in a complex fashion with the monooxygenase system. Uh, my takeaway from this is essentially that you might actually have a little bit more of this CYP1A2, almost as if you were drinking lots of coffee, right? These are inducible enzyme systems. They kick up when you're ex- exposing yourself to some of these compounds. So dark beer could, in theory, uh, speed up the breakdown of caffeine or other substances a little bit. So. Anyways, just some interesting effects, right? Those, I always say that, for example, coffee isn't just liquid caffeine. Well, Guinness sure as hell isn't just you know, liquid ethanol, right, isn't just ethanol. One more uh, category here, potatoes. This is from King and Slavin, uh, Advances in Nutrition 2013. It says the white potato is a concentrated source of carbohydrate, dietary fiber, and resistant starch and continues to be a staple food for many cultures. Uh, the white potato is also a concentrated source of vitamin C and potassium. And I think a lot of us forget that. Potatoes are such a staple food for bodybuilders, uh, yams, red skin potatoes, brown skin potatoes. There's some some differences in glycemic index and whatnot, and, but uh, often a staple. And if you think about it, many of the things that the anti-carb, the really low carb groups focus on would be gluten and grains. And well, this, this, this is a carb source without grains, right? And it's got fiber, it's got more potassium than a banana for goodness sake. So it says popular potato foods often contain more fat calories than carb calories. And if you think about the way that they're consumed outside of bodybuilding circles, that's usually true. Hash browns, French fries, right? It's actually more high fat. And that's why potatoes often uh, get a bad rep in some ways, like the red meat thing, right? Uh, so it says, however, potatoes should be included in the vegetable group, because again, those critical nutrients that they so they supply, vitamin C, potassium, fiber, uh, things of that nature. So here we have King and Slavin uh, back in 2013, saying, depends on how you eat them, right? How you prepare the potatoes. And the last one here, um, Molecular Nutrition Food Research 2014 by Kubo or Kubau and colleagues. Extract of Irish potatoes decreases body weight gain and adiposity and improves glucose control in a mouse model of diet-induced obesity. So let's take a look at this. Both sexes of mice were fed a high-fat diet for 10 weeks with or without these polyphenol-rich potato extracts. Uh, Interestingly, the extracts, attenuated weight gain in male and female mice by as much as 63 percent which was associated mostly with a reduction in fatness in adiposity Um, the mice that received these polyphenol rich potato extracts uh, also showed enhanced capacity for blood glucose clearance so a little bit better carbohydrate tolerance so they go on to note that um these these particular uh, polyphenols from potatoes may serve as a part of a preventive dietary strategy against the development of obesity and type 2 diabetes. So again, some antioxidant type activity here from the potatoes as well. So cool stuff there on beef, uh, Guinness, potatoes, some of the things that I've really been consuming quite a bit lately and really enjoying doing so. Uh, But uh, we'll, we'll go over to Phil here. And we'll see. Um, I know he's got a little bit of news before we go to break. Uh, didn't you see something recently about red meat allergy? That doesn't sound fun.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I yeah, mean, my wife were joking. I was like, oh, just end me. But there's <laughs> something new that these ticks are carrying called the Lone Star Tick. Um, <clears throat> and then it has a scientific name of the tick. But anyways, so basically kind of like Lyme disease, they carry it. They don't have a cure for it. They don't even know how to cure it yet. But the ailment is called Galactose-Alpha or Alpha-Gal. It's transmitted by the Lone Star Ticks. Why they in the Southeastern and Eastern United States. And anyways, basically if they bite you, they can pass this on from animals. The only people that don't have this protein in them, the only animals I guess, are apes and humans. Um, don't have it in them naturally. But uh, so we're
0: not eating those,
1: obviously. So yeah, so basically, screwed. if they bite you, if if these ticks bite you, you become <laughs> allergic to red meat, to mammalian meat like beef, pork, lamb. Oh my god! Uh, which is a heartbreaker for carnivores, of course. So no doubt. Um, and right now, I guess it's some it's some protein that these ticks are bringing in, and they're they're accidentally passing it on to you when they bite you, and then all of a sudden you're sick to it. And the weird thing about it is um, it can re- occur within 3, 10, or 12 hours. So the patients don't really know why they're having these allergic reactions or what they're having it to. So it's not like instant. Like if you're allergic to f- poison ivy, it happens. You know, this, you have meat, and then let's say you have another meal eight hours later. And then two hours after that, you get an allergic reaction from the first meal. <laughs> so, uh, Wow. Yeah.
0: So does it go away? I mean, allergies are usually
1: pretty permanent, aren't they? No, from the sounds of it, it's permanent, and they don't know how to cure it yet. So, Oh, my God. Uh, basically, yeah, from this point on, whatever it is they pass on to you just kind of inhabits itself in you. Um,
0: they sound Texan. Is this just? This isn't just Texas, so it's. You said it's a southern. No, it's
1: the southeastern and eastern United States is where all these ticks are. So, hopefully, I'm lucky and and safe so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm dangerously close to the east. That's not good. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. All right, but it's it's a specific tick. So, oh my god, look out for those.
0: All right, well, worth following up, people. There, there it is. So, yeah, don't, you know, I'm always walking my dog and I'm always steering her away from like the overhanging shrubbery and, and plants <laughs> that, you know, by the path, you know, yeah. or, or the sidewalk because the ticks are waiting. I'm like, the ticks are waiting for you right there. Don't don't brush mm-hmm. through those. So another reason to avoid it. My God. Yeah. All right, um, everyone, we're going to go to the break. When we come back, uh, we're going to have that discussion uh, on fatherhood uh, that Phil was just you I know, have an interesting chat with uh, Jim Wendler, and we'll get to that in just a bit. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or... Who knows what Uh, there is a book available you could simply google crc press and lowry and what i've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book a single compendium that you can hold up and say this is why i consume extra protein this can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit uh, royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something uh, our particular population uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks.
1: Okay, everybody, we're back. Um, Yeah, so basically what happened is me and Jim Wendler sat down and had a talk a couple days ago just about fatherhood. Like every once in a while, we just just chat about stuff. Uh, um, And we decided we were going to do one on fatherhood, and I recorded some of it. And uh, we had some technical difficulties on there, so we'll share a piece of it the other day. Um, But we're going to just go into some of the things that we talked about. And one of the big things, like we started off with, was just being involved in your kids' lives. Um, that's a big thing that he's into, a big thing that I'm into. Like, we homeschool our kids. Um, he's, they're half-time homeschooling his kids. He's like, I suck at math and science. I'm not taking that over. You <laughs> know? So basically, he sends his kid to school half-day, and then then they cover the math and the, or the English and things like that that he's good at. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and his wife are good at. Mm-hmm. But uh, even besides that, you know, we got into it. It's like, even if your kid isn't, you know, we have the pleasure and the, I wouldn't even call it the, uh, you know, we're not blessed to be able to homeschool our kids. It's a choice we make that we both do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we put other things aside. But, I mean, even if you can't, it's just being involved. And that's what, you know, we were both talking about how your kid comes home with bad grades now and the teachers or the parents automatically go to the teachers and yell at them. It's like, well, what are you doing at home? You know, they, the teachers can only get so much done. The rest of the time they're with you, it's like, you know, you can help them learn things.
0: Yeah, it's a shirking uh, of responsibility, you know. Yeah, in a lot and it's
1: like the, the minute you decide to have kids, your life isn't about you anymore. <laughs> you, know? um, you have somebody else that's it's, it's in your hands, and it's your job to raise something that's someone that's not a just a complete piece of trash.
0: And, you know, Phil, so, I, what strikes me about lifters is a lot of what we do with our training is about our goals – our yeah. competitions, you know, um, a lot of people critique bodybuilders for being self-absorbed. And that's got to be a huge change of gears, you know, because now you're oh, living yeah. for somebody else.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, Jim talks about that in the, the excerpt we'll, we'll, we'll play about how his life changed the minute he was becoming a father. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a big part we went into is just how, uh, you know, it's on you. It's not on anybody else. You don't leave the government up to raise your kids you know, it's on you to, to to raise them the way you want to. I mean, we can't trust the government to do much of anything correctly. So, why would we expect them to like put it solely in their hands to educate our children? Um, when we have all this time to ourselves. Um, the other thing we went into was like TV and all these TV and phones and you see a lot of uh Here you go, Junior. Here's the iPad. Mommy and Daddy are going to go play now. Oh,
0: Christ. (laughs) That type of thing. On the flight that I just came home, there were two little boys. They looked like, I don't know, one was three and one was seven. I don't know. The entire time, not granted, they're on a flight, right? But that's exactly how their parents managed them on this you know, eight-hour flight. Like, Mm -hmm. here's the iPad, and these kids were glued to the touchscreen and the beeping and the flashing colors and stuff. Now, I'm not saying there couldn't be some advantages to that. They were educational games the kids were playing. Mm But again, to your point about it, it's almost just putting it off, you know, here, just yeah. play with this piece of plastic, you know?
1: Well, and at some point, I mean, the problem is, and that's like, you know, me and Jim were talking about, he said that he just noticed the more they have the TV on, the worse his kid will act, you know? So they have purposeful time where all during the day in the summer, it's not on, you know, we go do other things. Um yeah. and in the society we grew up in, that was the norm. You know, there wasn't TV when we were kids, it was like, okay, there's cartoons from like seven to nine. Yeah. And then it was just you didn't want to
0: watch TV. Well there was three channels. You know, you know there was like <laughs> three local channels and then like an off station. And yeah. so if you didn't like what was on, you turned it off. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
1: you got a dose in the morning or whatever if you wanted to watch some cartoons, and then you had to learn how to entertain yourself in a way that was, you know, not bothersome to society.
0: Yeah. yeah, hopefully That's a good point. Yep.
1: Um, and kids kind of lose that now if they have too much if, they, if they're too reliant on that. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have iPhones and an iPad and things like that. And yeah, on a, like a trip or something, it can coming really handy. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as everyday life, it's like, let's get outside, let's do something. Um, Jim was talking about how with his kid, they have him trying something new every week. They sign him up for a new activity every week. Um, he did track and field the other day, so he learned how to throw a javelin as a five-year-old. Um, this week it was golf. He's like, I don't like golf, but I'm letting my kid try stuff, you know, and it keeps him busy. Yeah. Um, yeah, And things like that. And it's like it's, and another lost skill is just kids. We entertain the hell out of ourselves as kids. We learned how to do that. It was a skill that we had to do, or you were just insanely bored. I mean, I remember playing with Legos for hours on end, oh, or going out yeah. and you would turn a stick into a gun. All of a sudden, this stick in my hand is now a you know we, we, we didn't have super soakers and nerf guns you know they didn't exist, so you know we, we made ourselves we entertained ourselves in a way that was uh it was devel- developmental for our, for ourselves and just uh it's just healthy. Well, more so.
0: creative, like more driven by the individual yes. and not just provided. Like you might say, hey, yes. Lonnie, that's not fair. The kids on the flight were playing with an iPad. You know what? He, he, the dad and the mom are right there. They could have colored with them or yeah. drawn something. Like here, I, I challenge you to draw draw a cow for me. You know, draw yes. a car. Anything. You know, yes. yeah, anything like that. Because, of course, those those big planes are very stable. It's not like they were, we were all over yeah. the place. But again, to your point, right, then then they're left relying on their own creativity. And that's, I mean, look <sighs> at the, like, lifting. I, I started lifting when I was 13. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start lifting? Were you a, a teenager? Yeah, I did some then. I got serious about it when I was about 18. But, okay. I mean, I
1: did lifting. But there's a creativity
0: even in that, right? Like, you, yes. you, you discover new exercises and new ways to oh, lift yeah. and, you know, ca- rep cadence and, Uh, All kinds of cool stuff and you're not going to get that sitting watching other people on Facebook or YouTube do it
1: No, and I mean that's one I mean the big thing with us too was I mean and you don't see it anymore I was talking to a friend of mine like I don't know if there was a day That like when we were kids there wasn't a pickup basketball game or football game or oh, yeah baseball game you drive past parks now and schoolyards and there's nothing there. There's no one there. Nerf, you know, and that's right. all we did.
0: You <laughs> Nerf know? football, like that was a. I never yeah. played. Well, when I was really little, I played some football, but I wasn't a real big person. But I, God, I must have played one million games of Nerf football in yes, backyards. exactly. You know, you know, you
1: got yeah. however many kids together, you split them up into teams, and you went. Yeah. And we would do that for hours. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever. Hey, we're playing tag. You know? Yeah. <laughs> whatever it was, and you and you walk around parks and schoolyards now, and they're they're. Like graveyards there's nothing going on and you know I mean the weird thing I'll see my daughter she'll get on YouTube or whatnot, and the thing that perplexes me is she will literally watch videos of other people playing video games
0: oh right no that's a big (sighs) thing that's a thing like streaming (sighs) Um, yeah no I've seen a bit of that myself and
1: it's like what where did this come from I mean I remember as a kid that we're you know sure we had some video games later on in life but you didn't want to watch other people play you wanted to play <laughs> you, know, you couldn't wait for your turn, your turn. yeah so, you no know, yeah pass it. it wasn't hours on end of watching somebody else play it um you know you're just losing you're living through somebody else really it, literally you know your life experience is someone else's you're watching them live it mm-hmm. and you know that's where i'm like okay it's time to put that thing down sweetheart you're going outside <laughs>
0: you know right yeah <laughs> um,
1: it's time to do th- well do it, hey
0: huh? Let me ask you, so why is is Jim on the fatherhood kick so much right now? Like, I know he approached you and said, hey, I'd like to talk about this, right? Well, I mean, it's just – I
1: think it's kind of a big thing. And one thing he talks about a little bit is, you know, we have one of his bumper stickers. It's like, if you want to do something great for the world, uh, have children. If you don't want to have children, mentor them. If you don't want to do either of those things, just stay out of their lives. So basically, you know, we talk about it a little bit about – there's one real way to give back, and that's raising a decent human or helping other ones, you know, is what it is. He's like When it comes down to it, his books, his this and that, that's all great. But if nobody uses that information and nobody on the street, you know, in real world and passes it on, um, it's all for naught, you know. So, I mean, that's kind of what where he's at. It's like I mean, the way he can really touch people and really change the world is… Is educating other kids and shooting them in the right direction and making them be decent, decent human beings. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really the only thing that's a surefire way that you actually did something great for the world.
0: You, you and know, I have to, actually it's changed somebody's life. Right. I think we've discussed this before, but that's where teaching and coaching—they're almost indistinguishable. I mean, the main goal, yeah. right, is to have an impact on someone in a positive way, change the world, yeah. give back—you know—that kind of thing. It's a... mm-hmm. well, of course, and what, when I when I watch you coach that's what you're doing. You know, you're drawing stick yeah. figures and you're talking about, you're sneaking in a little, what I call accidental learning, right? Yeah. Like if you want to, yeah. you want a big squat, you better learn, you know, what, um, you know, a uh, moment arm is, you know, or a yeah. resistance arm and, and things like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's the same thing with the classroom. I, I always talk about what I call my academic family tree. It's the, Oh, you know, like it's almost like you're boasted, like a, a, a proud Papa, you know, Oh, that, yeah. that one's a surgeon or that one's an artist or that one's a, yeah. a writer. You know, and I got to think there's a lot of similarity. And science journals, of course, a lot of our listeners know, have impact factors, which is basically how many other journals point and reference your paper, you know, and and that journal. But those impact factors, even the really big ones, oftentimes they pale next to a podcast, right? Or, you know, like some social media. But the problem is there's no gatekeepers anymore. And, you know, Rob used to bitch about this, that – And and me too. Without editors, I mean, you know this, Phil. For Christ's sake, Mm -hmm. you worked behind the scenes and did a lot of this—the thankless job of like editors and moderators—is anybody can have a voice and they can be spewing nonsense, you know, with a high impact. So it's almost like a responsibility. It's like the Spider-Man thing about with great power comes great responsibility. If you become a accomplished lifter, coach, teacher, you must have a responsibility to have some impact, you know, and beyond (laughs) just. you know, 80 people reading a journal article, you know, so.
1: Yeah, we go into that. And then, of course, because both of us, what we do as coach, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, him and the football team. He's working with me and the wrestling team. And, you know, basically you got 25 kids. And if you're lucky, let's say you have a team of 25, five of them really want to be there. And five of them really want to work hard. That's if you're lucky. But the neat thing that happens is if you touch those five, and you give them driven the other ones won't work as hard but compared to what they were doing it raises you know raises the bar for everybody if they see johnny and jimmy and and james all kicking butt well we better step it up a little bit too and that you end up passing on to so many people and i'm already seeing it now i've only been working with these kids for six months but what happens if you make this one do something amazing the other kids see it. No, now I got four more. Four more came in because they want to do what he's doing. You know? Yeah, yeah. So your your tree starts getting larger and larger of who you've helped, and it passes on. And, you know, like I do, I don't want anybody walking my facility. I'm not there just to make them strong. It's not just here you're doing what I'm telling you to. Um, it's here you're doing what I'm telling you to, and this is why. <laughs> I want yeah. them to know the why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So uh, eventually they can do the same thing, you know, if I if what I do ends when I'm gone, uh I I failed, you know. <laughs> I want somebody else to carry this on. Um I'm sure like Louis, you know, Louis is getting up there in age. I'm yeah. sure he's passing as much as he can on too. He doesn't want you know, if West Side just goes away, uh, something's lost. You know, a big part of the world's gone. Yeah, what's his nobody, legacy, you know? Yeah, what's the legacy if, if nobody ever takes those reins and really gets in and learns it? And that's you know kind of what I think most of us in, in coaching and and teaching are, are in for. So.
0: Yeah, I think it's a natural progression. Once you're in your 40s, there's an old uh, samurai text, and it, they literally talk about really – don't listen to anyone too much until they're about forty. Mm-hmm. Now this is a ballpark yeah. I know we have twenty and 30 year old listeners who are like, I know stuff, oh, yes, you do yeah. but they're just saying from life lessons under the bar or whatever your, you know whatever the skill is, uh, those are the guys you really start to listen to and honestly, I think it's a natural progression to move toward coaching because mm-hmm. you know when you're fifty, your joints aren't quite what they were you know yeah. you might be str- you might be s- roughly as strong, but you're gonna you're gonna blow something mm-hmm. possibly. And so what do you want to do? It's, it's natural to move that on. I mean, people talk about, like often in, in my department academically, there's a lot of talk about sports and sports teams. I don't really mm. keep up with a lot of team sports unless I'm feeding one of those guys. Now I'm interested, right? So, yeah. Yeah. and again, it's, it's that sort of legacy thing, you know, and yeah.
1: um, so. Well, that's, I mean, another big part of it is, I mean, as a coach, as a teacher, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing to mentor these kids, you end up being a lot more than that. I don't know how many times, and Jim talked about it too, you know, we're there to make them stronger. But here comes Johnny and, hey, Phil, this happened this weekend, Like me and my parents this. You end up being a a psychologist and a a friend and, Mm -hmm. you know, much more, much more than just, hey, I'm here to make you stronger. They start to confide in you, and, and, you know, that's part of your job, you know, because it does impact Johnny had a hell of a night at home and got kicked out of the house. That's going to impact his strength training too. So we deal with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's, you know, um, that's something that I call the the apprenticeship model. It's something yeah. that I do a lot with I use research projects to do it. Like, what's your question? Let's develop a question together and go through every step to answer that right through publishing or presenting something. But we've lost that apprenticeship model. I mean, there's even a lot of discussion mm-hmm. in higher ed about Character development and is it the teacher's responsibility, but I think to your point it's almost unavoidable right yes. at some point it's it, there is going to be uh, lessons learned like hard work leads to rewards you know things yes. like that that come into play you, that you know you can't you 're not just dispensing information I mean somebody could read a book and I guess get a bit of that but uh, yeah it's that uh, apprenticeship mentorship model that Sort of drives me uh, and that's got to be similar with what you guys do.
1: Oh yeah, and it's I mean and also, I mean, if you want a kid to totally basically as a, as a coach, what you want to happen is somebody just to totally buy into your system. you got you have to believe in what this what I'm having you do. If you don't believe in it, it's not gonna work that great. The minute you buy into it and just believe in it and live it, it's gonna work. and if you can help help Johnny through a tough situation outside of that, there's a bigger chance that he's okay. He's here to help me with everything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I'm going to believe this guy. I trust him.
0: Trust. Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: there's this trust factor that's built through other stuff besides strength training. Um, you know, I'll shoot the shit back and forth with some of my athletes. Uh, you know, on social media for me is mainly it's for business, but a lot of it's with that. I'll get on there. If, if two of them, one of them hadn't shown up for a couple of days, I'm dropping them a line. I'm, I'm ribbing them a little bit on, on, on social media. Yeah. Hey, where you been? You know, this mm-hmm. and that, and, you know, it, yeah, that's that's partly me ribbing on them, but when you're, you're dealing with sixteen to fourteen to eighteen year old boys, ribbing on them, ribbing on each other is is uh, it's part of your relationship. You know, it's 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 showing that hey, we're friends. We miss you. Get we get back in here, you know.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You're missing your work. We're missing you around here. Let's go. Let's get back to hard work. Yeah. So the I mean, it's thing. it's a friendly thing. It's mm-hmm. not bad. So. Hmm. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, we just talked a lot about that and just, and we're not saying society's horrible, but a lot has changed and a lot could be better, you know? And yeah, we sound like old curmudgeons. Oh, back in my day, it was so much better. No, in in a lot of ways, now it was, you know, there aren't kids out running around playing. Recesses are being shut down, you know, and that kicks back more on us as parents. Okay, I got to find these outlets for my kid. You know, we're going to play sports. We're going to do whatever. And that's like Jim was talking about his first son. He said, I told him, I don't care. I don't care if you do sports you need to be in some kind of shape he said if you're an it professional whatever just for health and longevity it's going to help you to be in some kind of shape do some push-ups do some calisthenics whatever um and there's enough proof out there now which you can throw out there that i mean that that type of stuff helps your mental side of the game too
0: oh absolutely
1: i mean (laughs) this loss of recess i mean that was another big reason we pulled my daughter out of school and my son probably just will never go to a a regular school you know they knocked it down to where those kids had one recess a day as a eight-year-old you know, they had no outlet for all this energy and they're wondering why all these kids are fidgeting at their desks and this and that you know if you go take them to pee and wear them out for an hour now bring them back and they're going to settle down. They're going to listen. They're going to learn.
0: Right. I mean, listen, so. if every if anything is biopsychosocial, sort of, I mean, it affects your biology, right? Your brain yeah. chemistry, your hormones are different. Like, you just exerted yourself. You're more receptive, right? So eat, like you yes. said, sit down, concentrate, figure this stuff out. But they always attack the extracurriculars when it comes to budget cuts. There goes music. There goes art. Yeah. There goes gym. Yes. Well, we just yeah. we just screwed up real bad, right? There. <laughs> yeah, you know
1: exactly. I mean, it's those things that a kid's only going to sit down as an unless he's one of those kids that is just blessed with math and that's his thing. You're only going to get the average kid to sit down and really concentrate on math for a limited amount of time before they are fidgeting and things. Give them a break, let them run around, let them wear themselves out a bit, and now they're more receptive. Okay, we're back to we're back to this. I got to eat my meat. I just had my pudding. You know? <laughs>
0: right, right. It sounds like Pink you know, Floyd. They, they
1: gave me a little pudding. Okay, I'll do some more meat, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and that's that's largely lost. And we're we're in a society where people – we're in a society that allows us to be lazy, more lazy than ever. But that doesn't mean it's a good thing. <laughs> you know, you know I – We have to search for extracurricular physical activity. Right,
0: yep. Uh, I actually read <laughs> – God, it was probably two years ago – Uh, There was a comment, it just made me think And I don't even remember where I heard it, lay source or published Whatever, but They were essentially saying that collectively We're smarter because of our connection With the internet and we can look up something Google almost anything, I mean imagine what that does In the classroom, you know Uh, But Individually we're we're dumber Right, because we don't, you don't have to Know certain things about Art or music or biology Or whatever, because you could simply Grab your cell phone Right? Yes. So collectively smarter, but individually we're getting dumber. Uh, yes. That's disturbing to me, right? Because when you're a Renaissance man or woman, you can draw on, like Steve Jobs used to say, it's connect the dots. Like you're not always immediately aware how that art project or how a history lesson is going to affect your science, for example. But you can go back, you know, when you look back, you can connect the dots. Like the way he learned calligraphy and how that affected the Mac, you know, there wasn't just courier font, blinking, green, blinking nonsense on your screen. You're dry, boring. You know what I mean? And so you can draw on a lot of these other concepts because you're not individually dumb. You're well-read mm-hmm. enough. You're, well, you're self-actualized enough that you can actually bring something to the table.
1: Well, even memory. I mean, the amount of memory that we have to use now. Basically, people don't have to remember anything because it's at the, why do I need to remember that? I can just Google it again when I need it. Yep. <laughs> you know yep. i still remember my childhood phone number i remember my my first boss's phone number i have no need for it but i can tell you it right now <laughs> there was things like that that we it's it's embedded in my me- memory bank because we had to and you don't have to anymore you just store the numbers on your phone what's what's charles's number i don't know people say you know let me look it up mm-hmm. you know they don't have to engage their brains that way anymore because they just stored that this thing does it for them. Well, what happens if that thing breaks down and it's gone? You know, now you're you know the ability to read a map, you know, to, to know directions, things like that. Yeah. I mean yep. it's 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 all in your hand now and you don't have to do it yourself. I mean, look back at I mean, we were look back generations, we were worse than the generation before us as far as that goes. I mean back in the 1700s, 1600s, they just knew the way. They didn't have a map. You know, they just memorized the... I passed that tree, I'd go past that rock, and then came maps. Now we have a map. We have something to look at, but we can read this, how to get there. You know, and so, in, yeah, in certain ways, we are collectively smarter than ever. But in other ways, we are we just don't use our brains like we used to. You know, yeah. the memorization, the the skills.
0: Yeah. The way we know, to learn. I think physicality, that's why weightlifting... Actually, Chris Shugar had every a bunch of people write a little thing like, what did you learn from lifting? And I'm like, well, if anything, I think it's a, it's a metaphor for the challenges of life. You know, like if yeah. you want something to be satisfying in the end, you have to sacrifice to get there. You know, yeah. and I mean, what does weight do? It presents an immediate challenge. You can't read yes. about that. You can't watch someone... Honestly, you can, right? Unfortunately, yeah. so many people online, they just, you know, the ones. They're, yes. They hang out on forums and YouTube and they're just critiquing everyone else. But it's, yeah. to me, it's like that man in the arena quote from uh, was mm-hmm. it Teddy Roosevelt. You know, it's, it's yeah. easy to cast dispersions at someone else about how they might have done better. Um, let's see you do it. Yeah. <laughs> you do it. Yeah. And it's, it's a nice vehicle. Uh, that's what I always liked about martial arts, too. Lifting and martial arts, to me, I tend to be on the introverted side, which is weird that I'm a teacher. But th- there are things that that you can engage in. And it's it, it's a repeated courage test. It's a discipline test, mm-hmm. you know. Do you have the discipline to put down the pie and just go eat some oatmeal? I mean, if, if, yeah. if, if it calls for yeah. it, you know. Um, and you can't – physical development strength adaptations, whatever, uh, cardiovascular adaptations, you have to actually go do it. You can't grab your phone and just get it instantly. Yes. You know, so. And
1: it's also, I mean, as far as weightlifting goes, and even really any sport, but I mean, I'm going to deal with getting stronger because that's what I do. Uh, That's what I help people do. I mean, it's a lesson in you fail and it's okay. You know, and you get up and you try again because at no point in time, I don't care who you are walks in my gym. I have a two and a half pound plate that will beat you. It is better than you.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you are
1: never the top dog. That bar will always win. You, yeah. I, you know, I, I've never met a person that couldn't walk in. I'll, okay. Your best squats, a 1023. Okay. Here you go, buddy. 1028. Let's do it. You, know? yep. Yep. <laughs> you just lost. Yep. So gravity. wins. Um, yeah. And it pushes you out of your comfort zones. You know, if you actually want to get better, you're going to be living in discomfort. Be that, Okay, I'm I'm dropping weight for a meat, or if I want to get stronger, I need to eat more than I'm I'm used to. I right. need to train harder than I used to. Um, I've got aches and pains, this and that. I mean there's lots of life's lessons to be learned. I mean it's it's living outside of much of life now is lived in the comfort zone. Yeah. You know, you're not yeah. uncomfortable and, almost at any point in time. Right.
0: And personal development is always just outside of that. Right. Yes. That's a simple <laughs> that's the rule of stimulation. Yeah. You have to be outside of a comfort zone. Yeah. If you're going to be actually changing and growing. Yes. You know,
1: and there's the, that's, that's constantly going on you know, in our facility, you know, I think so. that's
0: what coaches, well, like you and Jim both do. I imagine is put people, you can't put them too far out so far outside yeah. the comfort zone that they, they, they they catastrophically fail or get injured yes. or whatever. But so that's why, again, with the mentor thing, you're like, mm-hmm. let me put you just a little bit. I know this is, trust me, you know, it's part of the plan. Yes. It's, it's a little uncomfortable, But you do have a chance and this will make you stronger.
1: And exactly. And we talked a lot about that, like with his his football kids. He's like, we could tell when they had bad days. Hey, you know, why are they why are they going at this? Well, he said, So what we do, we change our plan. We'd give them something we knew they could win at. They'd have to push for it, but they would win. Mm -hmm. So you change your plan, and that's I mean, the best way to get people succeeding is let them succeed. Give them something they will win at, and Don't they will confidence. want more. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, sure, you push them hard, but you, like you said, you back it off. Oh, it's a bad day. So, okay, you're doing this instead. And if you try hard, you will win. And they do because you give them something they're going to win at. And what do they start doing is they realize that, you know, oh, work equals progress equals winning. And then they want more of that. Mm-hmm. So And then they start to believe that they can they win anything. And so he talked about his team. He came in there, and they were like the worst team in the league. And then they went to state, went to the playoffs. Um, the the team that they played uh, in the first round of the playoffs beat them like forty two to nothing the, the year before. Mm. This year they lost ten to seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You know, yeah. He said that's a huge difference. You know, we went in there and crushed them. We and the, the the other team was like, what the hell happened? Well, you know, these kids know winning now. A lot of it, and it wasn't all just they were stronger. They had a belief in themselves. You know, yeah, you know because all they did was win
0: I think the only way to really build confidence I've really given this a lot of thought whether you're a surgeon whether it's surgery or squatting It has to be Serial successes that lead yes. you there you know, The only way to get confident is to do it and get yes. a little bit of success just a little bit at a time You can't read about it. You can't listen to a YouTube watch a YouTube video about it if you want to be confident comfortable in your own skin, competent at something. That confidence only comes by doing. There's a difference be- between knowing the path and walking the path. Yes. You know. And that's what people don't do like you like you guys seem to be saying. It's, people are they might know the path, but they haven't really walked it. So they don't have true confidence, at least not like like they could.
1: Yes. And I agree with the whole the other quote, I mean, which kind of goes against it that you know, you learn more from every failure than you do any success. But we don't want you failing all the time because your confidence will go to shit. Yes. You know? yeah, right. So basically we have very few failures and we try and stack you with small successes that push you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, coach, I don't know if I can do that. I know you can. Let's go. You know, yeah. I got your back. I believe in you. Yeah. And then they, you start doing that. I have athletes that literally just – they shock me. If I tell them they can do it, they just know they can now. And they'll make it happen, even if it's something like, "Oh boy, this is going to be interesting." You know? right, <laughs> but yeah, right. they pull it out of their ass just because. Well, he <laughs> wouldn't tell me I could do it if I couldn't. Yeah, you man. know. And they've they've bought in that far, so they come to and they're they're 100 confident. Okay, I can do it because coach says I can. and that's an amazing thing
0: yeah so i think it's one of the things you can learn through anything physical and kind of like what you guys seem to be saying i don't care if it's a sport or you're hiking whatever you know you're you're growing and developing in a direction but physicality like physical adaptations uh, strength and muscle mass things like that they're very empowering and with with good mentorship, you're all but guaranteed to have some successes. You're like, wow, yeah. my arms are bigger. or I'm much stronger. or And after time, that that changes who you are. I mean, imagine like the awkward young man or woman. You know, they start t- playing with their weights or even a middle-aged. You know, I know you work with some middle-aged women yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Incredibly empowering because yeah, yeah. you're going to grow. You're going to grow in a certain direction because you're doing. You're just doing yeah. something.
1: You know? And it just makes sense to live in that model. I mean, like if I'm, my son is, Learning he can count to 10. He's not three. You know, if I were just to sit him down with like the quadratic equation right from the start and be like, okay, here you go, buddy, you're learning math today. (laughs) You know, he would fail. We start with something, something easy, and we get these little successes. Oh, good job, you counted to three. You know, we started with, with that. you know you don't start with with something that's just horribly hard for them exactly and then they then they fail over and over again you start low and let them win okay let's go to four ah awesome you know
0: right and that's true Get them excited about learning yep yep i mean uh that's why i like the project-based approach to like teaching undergrads and and uh mid-level like graduate students is there's all this accidental learning and confidence building that goes on right because I, I help write part of the abstract or I'll say, well, you didn't control for diet. What do you think that would do to the outcome? You know, is that going to do something to this lifting program? All the kinds of things that you kind of talk about and build on. Uh, but to your point, a lot of people might say, listen, undergrads don't do research. I'm like, well, really? Because I've, I haven't seen what I have seen is that mm-hmm. there's no reason you can't take a 20-year-old and teach them the same thing we usually reserve for 23-year-olds as far as, like, mm-hmm. research and stuff and writing. And uh, they just need shown how to do it. They will yes. step up if you're – but, again, it's very, to your point, progressive. First, yes. what do we do? You know, we look at the world as a comparison, you know, one versus another, like an intervention of lifting or eating of some kind compared to a control group. And that mm-hmm. begs the question, what is that control group? And, you know, so, yeah, you you build as you go, and it's it's surprising – how far people can advance when they do project-based kind of learning? It's the yes. kind of thing I really like instead of um, teach to the test kind of yeah. thing. You know, yeah. uh, I almost pity like the chemistry prof. They're like, balance this equation. Well, why? Well, just because you have to. And I'm like, well, balance this equation because we're going to use and abuse this knowledge to get you ripped later. <laughs> you <know? laughs> That's different. That's it's it's yes. nutrition and yeah. physiology, exercise, phys are great. I almost feel like I'm have an unfair advantage because we can always use the knowledge toward application, you know, toward an, uh, toward a goal. It might not be an immediate goal, but it's going to be something they can they can apply to themselves, you know, and so no,
1: it makes more sense. It gives them something tangible besides just do this cuz I said so. Right.
0: And I mean, I, <laughs> I, I know these are students and this isn't the same thing as as fatherhood, you know, yes. like you guys are talking about because that's a that's a but more a, intimate kind of thing. You know, as far as family closeness and oh yeah, and, and I stuff. mean,
1: you know, we went all over the board. You know, you know, Jim, we were bouncing all over the board. It was it was definitely not PG rated, but <laughs> um, you know, everything from you know, one of my biggest things with I ride my kids a lot. You know, I want them to be good people, and Olivia's getting up in that age where she's pushing back harder. But the minute I see her outside of our house. Like if she's dealing with another authority figure or another parent, she is a hundred percent respectful, and it's like I won, I'm okay, we have our little deals. I had my deals with my parents, right. you're going to, mm-hmm. but I know outside of the house she's a respectful human being, and that's i won if i if if we did that, we're in a good spot, yeah. you because know, she's gonna have her battles with us, you know, I'm her parent, she's supposed to, so right, yeah. but uh. You know, there's differences, but there's kids out there that don't even know that. I mean, for God. I mean, I have I had a few kids come into my place. So they're there to learn something. We started this wrestling camp, and one little kid's like, well, I do it this way. Well, how about you shut up and do it my way because you're paying me to teach you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> <Right>. No doubt. <laughs> so if you don't want to do what you're paying to come learn, go. If you know it all at 7, leave. You know, we're here to go through a progression and teach you something. So it's yeah. just shut your mouth and let's do it. So and
0: that happens right through young adulthood. I mean, I have a lot of students. The entitlement is almost unreal, and the, yeah. like a lack of respect. Like they want to audit how you graded the test and things like that. And that's that's <laughs> quote unquote worse than it used yes. to be because the kids grow up with less respect. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's be honest. I mean, often I've heard the quote that uh, only to be tw- if I could only be twenty years old again and know everything. Yes. <laughs> you know,'cause the more you learn, of course, the more you realize you don 't know much oh. yeah. <laughs> and and i you got to be big enough, I think, as a teacher or a coach, to realize that, and then yeah kind of steer' them back um to your point about know it all's in your gym i mean that happens that happens in academia too, you know, I actually remind on my syllabus my syllabi sometimes like be aware of the already know this mind, if you already mm-hmm. know this, great. Sit there and shut up and pick out the gold nugget that might be new. You know, about the 10th time I had to draw out the Krebs cycle and cell metabolism, um, I'm like, I already did this, but then, okay, no, sit down, shut up. You know, maybe there's something that this guy or gal is going to teach me that I didn't know before. You know, repetition is the mother of learning, um, you know, stuff like that. But uh, to your point about paying for (coughs) it, Uh, I I heard a professor say last year, and it really really rang true to me. She said something about that higher ed is one of the only fields where people will pay premium dollar and then do everything they can not to get their money's worth, right? (laughs) Like like not go to class or skimp out on the assignments or, right, premium dollar and then do everything you can not to get your money's worth. And I imagine there's some similarities with coaching and fitness too, right? They pay good money. And then they don't want to get down with your system. Um, it's like that old Zen quote, you know, stop all your bargaining and just get with a program, yep. you know, because well, you know, that's the, it's the vehicle. That's the,
1: yes. And that's the good thing about where I'm at. And even Jim with his football team, he's like, I don't. He said, if he has a kid that just literally doesn't want to do his thing, he's like, fine, go ahead and do it your way. You probably know better than me then. And you know, he'll just let him. <laughs> yeah. And I'll do the same thing. Like, if you don't want, just leave. I don't need you. Yeah, you, know, you need me and you'll realize that one day and you'll probably come back. Um, but because uh, I got 40 other ones like you, so I don't have the time to wait for that. I'm, I want people that want to learn and I'm I'm not being disrespectful. I just don't have time for that.
0: <laughs> no, know? Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's, just, it's classroom or in the gym. You have a certain responsibility yeah. to your community, right? Yes. So if a kid's sitting there laughing, watching YouTube in class. You know, I could invite him to leave. Say, you know, listen, you don't have to be here. Now, You, in theory, with tuition, you just handed me $30. Um, Mm -hmm. Go waste your time. You go waste your money, but don't waste, you know, the young lady or young man next to you who want to get something out of this.
1: Yeah. Or I'm not going to adjust my belief system in what I know works because you think you know something better. Well, what about this? Because I think, no, that's not it. We're doing it this way. Right. You know, because yeah. I know this works and yours doesn't, so shut up and do it. Or yeah. don't. I don't care.
0: Yeah. That's you funny know? that Jim would say, Okay, you are you since you know this, go ahead and go do that. We'll see how that yeah. play plays out for you. <laughs> we'll see how it
1: plays out while the <laughs> other forty kids on the team get strong. You know.
0: I think that's what's funny about Jim. He's so matter of fact with like that kind of crack, you know. Like yeah. Well let's see what the outcome of that is then, tough guy. Yeah. You know?
1: yeah exactly. I mean <laughs> what are you gonna do? It's it'd be like I don't know, I'd It'd be like me going up, uh, paying to go to a seminar with Ed Cone, and then arguing with him about this is the wrong oh, way. Oh, right. You know, exactly. that's just it makes no sense. <laughs> you, know, exactly. you just shut up and listen and learn. Yes.
0: You know?
1: <laughs> right. So.
0: So yeah. all right, let's let's set up the the quote. I I know that despite the the technical uh, crap, uh, what was it that that actually survived out of your conversation with Jim?
1: Well, I think we just added on, but. uh You know, basically it's going to talk about, um, you know, his big way of giving back what he figured out, you know, like you said, we, we each have a way we can give back in this being a mentor, this and that. And he figured out, you know, his, what he can do as coach and he doesn't get paid for it. You know, he decided to just do this. You know, he went to the high school and don't, he donates his service to, I'm going to help these kids because he was a, you know, he knows strength training. He was a division one ball player at Arizona. Um, and so I want to go on there. I have a passion for helping these kids succeed.
0: Okay. So well, I'll tell you what, Let, let's set it up. We'll, we'll play it right now and we'll come right back and finish out here. Sweet.
2: You change the world is raising good kids yeah. and that's it. Yep. And uh, so I'm trying That's you know, you can go to all your fucking March for the rallies and stuff like that, but it's all bullshit. If you're raising shitty kids mm-hmm. and not doing things on the ground level to help your community. On whatever thing it is. And I don't you know, I don't wanna sit around and fucking uh, cook for the homeless. My my, my, my mom did that. because yeah. she's a cook. She yeah. loves cooking. So that's why I started coaching. I'm like, Well, this is something I can fucking do. I can give back. Um, you know, I don't get paid. Uh, it's not like I turn down hundred and fifty grand a year either. Yeah. You know, it's just so everyone's you know, am not that much of a fucking saint. Uh <laughs> But you know, and it's that's when I realize that's how you can make a big difference. Is you don't have to raise fucking Albert Einstein, but don't raise fucking Charles Manson either. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I don't know. I think it's. <clears throat> I always laugh when I see people so heated up about certain fucking things, and then I'm like, it's like Jordan Peterson says: is your own bed fucking made? Yeah. You know, did you take care of your own family and your, you know, your business and your, and your kids and stuff like that?" So. Yeah. I, don't know. I just, uh, as you can imagine, we, we strip away all the, the crap in our life pretty much yeah. so we can concentrate on what's important. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's honestly the big take-home message. If you're going to have kids, and it's, it's not about you anymore. <laughs> no. Not, even when I got married. I mean, it was like, okay. I would well, spent, spent 20 years traveling with everything yeah. I owned was in the back of my truck. It's like, okay, now it's game changers. I got to yeah. take care of everybody else. <laughs> you know, oh, that's just my job now. You know. when i first had mason my oldest it was like uh just like you everything was like i remember i'll never forget this uh dave and i left for a seminar and i don't know where the fuck we went but my then my now ex-wife uh we were together and uh on the way i was on you know getting on the plane going to wherever. And Dave and I were just talking endlessly about what squat suit I should wear. Mm-hmm. Should I wear the, the, the canvas, or should I go back to the strong metal poly? On the way, when I was away, my ex-wife called me and told me she was pregnant. And so I remember getting off. We got, we got off the plane at the same gate when I got back to Columbus. And I remember thinking, remember what my wife was about, squat suits? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't give a shit what I wear. Fuck that. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. And it was just like such a game changer because we yeah. went in and out of the same gate in, yeah. in uh, the Columbus airport. And, uh, you know, there's <clears throat> the only thing I would tell people, especially young parents and stuff, is something that my wife and I did was we removed anything that was superfluous in our life so that we could raise kids and do some shit that we wanted to do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, we don't take on a lot of bullshit activities or mm-hmm. you go to you know involved with this or that you know it's like uh even like when we were in the, we went on vacation we did one big thing a day yeah not three yep and so the rest of the day we could relax and stuff and, and go about our, our business but uh you see people like well listen i got this and i got that well no wonder why you're fucking stressed out
1: yeah
2: and then you know so
1: that was uh yeah i mean As far as parenting goes, I mean, I think the big thing is what you just said is it doesn't mean losing everything you have. Get rid of the bullshit. But, like, my kids, they come to us to our shit, too. It's like, hey, we went to your gymnastics. It's time for you to come to our this.
2: (laughs) Well, it's about being a family, not (laughs) Mm -hmm. being – it's funny because, you know, some kids grow up thinking the world revolves around them. In their world, it did. I get it. Like, you know, when uh, I played football, uh, my parents would come to – all my games and stuff mm-hmm. Even when I was at Arizona My parents traveled Every single game But You think that's all My parents did No Like my parents Like I said They're in fucking Turkey Yeah yeah, <laughs> You know Doing shit So yep. I think there's a way to, to, to have Your cake and eat it too so to, so to speak Yes But you gotta take away A lot of the icing I guess yep. the best what I said yep. And uh, Anyway I'm just cool. talking Out of my ass right now Well we'll call we'll it there man like, It's been an hour Oh, okay. So, I apologize. No, you're good. Yeah, I'm yeah. good. So, all right.
1: Anything else you got to say? Anything big coming up besides uh, the Swiss? Uh,
2: the Swiss thing. Uh, just the football. <laughs> we have camp starting. Yeah. Monday. I can't wait. It's always <laughs> so we got. It's just awesome. To, you know, first of all, it's awesome because I don't have to have a helmet and pads on right now. Cause yeah. As much as I miss football, football, uh, there's no way I can here's the thing, Phil, is I see a lot of people taking a lot of credit. If you don't have a fucking helmet on and take a snap, you don't, you're not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> you really aren't. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's one thing to, to have the, like everyone sees the glory on Friday or Saturday nights. Like you don't see Tuesday at uh five thirty. <laughs> yeah. and you're, you know, it's a uh, 90% humidity and you're out there in the fucking grass with, you know, I don't know. So yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what the kids can do. Um, Even if, you know, I tell the kids, I don't care how many wins you have either. But you you won't quit and you will, you know, physically (laughs) always tell them, take their fucking manhood. (laughs) (laughs) Embarrass them. There you go. So, probably not the best message, right? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, I'm good, brother. I don't want to keep you any longer. Uh, You're good. I'm going to get back out of there. Thank you very much, Phil. Hey, I appreciate the friendship and I appreciate the business. Yep. And uh, you and I really violate a little bit. I mean, we're not fucking best friends, but uh, yeah, you never do business with your friends. But we are able to keep all that shit, and part of that is having Juliet in the business. Oh yeah, for sure. So she does a good job. So, yep. th- but thank you for everything, Phil. You've done a great thing. Yep. Have a good one. Yeah. All right, brother. I'll see you. Thanks. Come on, bye. Okay. Bye bye.
0: All right. Well, obviously that kind of stuff is appreciated. Um, fill me in, though, Phil. What? I, I honestly don't know, right? Because I- I'm under a rock in the ivory tower sometimes what is Jim does Jim own a facility like you do what's his perspective no. these days
1: basically he has his he has his home Jim in his house and you know like one thing we talked about in there's one of the biggest things that him and his wife did and I did too we have these odd parallels is we stripped our lives clean of anything that doesn't matter so like Jim has one car for his whole family and you know lives in a modest house and doesn't collect things uh, so he just has – he has his home gym, and then he goes to the football. He goes to the high school uh, to help the kids. So oh. basically he goes in strength coaches at the high school. Oh, I see. So
0: – Well, in addition to uh, his writing, and I mean, is he still cranking oh, yeah. out books? I still mean, writing and,
1: mm-hmm. and has a full, like, music set up in his basement. Um, oh. So still writing songs, still playing songs. Uh, cool. So things like that. But, yeah, he's uh, – we talked about both of our family's dreams is once the kids are done, basically you have to keep a certain level of life when your kids are around. Um, just cause they deserve it. You know, my kids would be pissed off if we just loaded up and packed up into the woods and just hid somewhere. <laughs> it's not fair to them, but like yeah. him and his wife and me and mine are, you know, the ultimate goal is just to get some little place in the, out in the stick somewhere and just exist at some point.
0: Wow. So super minimalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I like it. So uh, I, is- you guys, he has how many kids now? Jim does two.
1: He has two. Okay, yeah. and you have two. And I, have, I have two young ones in the house. We have five. Oh so, <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. But I have I have a ten ten year old and Odin. Good God, he's going to be three this month um, already. So, but cool living living with us.
0: So. Well, it's fun to explore a topic. I guess we got a little heavy this time, but you know what? Things like having a a mission statement for your family, people don't do that anymore. You know, like what are we about as a family or what are we eventually going to do? It's funny what you're talking about because Kelly and I have talked about that quite a bit. Ultimately, if I could save enough money, uh, we're just going to go build like a little hobbit hole somewhere and just live in the sticks, you know? Yeah. Uh, That kind of thing. Now, I might want to have a solar panel and, you know, some (laughs) Wi-Fi access or something, but more or less (laughs) Mm -hmm. off the grid and enjoy simple things, you know, painting, drawing, music, you know, gardening, whatever. Uh, It's something that a lot of people have lost. And I think one of the cool things now is, and and you and Jim are both poised to do this, uh, maybe we all are on some level, and and that's that you can still have a broader impact factor, you know, if we come Mm -hmm. back to that. You can be fairly isolated but you can still sort of teach and help, you know, from from that point oh, of isolation, yeah. if you wanted to, because of social media or writing a book, you know, or or stuff like that. I'm still. Well, waiting and for even the, my facility and
1: stuff, I never see me ever giving it up. I'll be like the 80 year old dude in there that's walking around with a walker and helping. Oh yeah, people. I love it. Well, uh, my, my my where I live will be, you know, <laughs> I can detach and get away,
0: you know. Right. Yeah. I think you should write your book you know fully illustrate it. you got to put your art skills to work there <laughs> some cool because that's something that i don't think many other writers could do like you write yeah. and have the masters in art like you yeah. could do stuff that other people couldn't i'd love to see a book like that instead of just yeah. slapping you on the cover of mine <laughs> 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 with the big deadlift
1: <laughs> that was my 10 minutes of fame, or 10 seconds of fame right there yeah. that's it and that so. and
0: you know that book is so specific to a very yeah. small niche that you know they're like well Like, my royalty checks on that book are so tiny. You know, I talk about it (laughs) mid-show. Because other than lifters who are interested in eating lots of protein, I mean, it's not one of those freshman 101 kind of textbooks. It's not a lay book. Like, it doesn't have a lot of broad appeal, like a purposeful primitive. It's very sciencey. It's very narrow. I don't know. It'd be fun, though, for you to do something like more of a, you know, life lessons, you know, from the roving roving lifter kind of guy, coach, (laughs) you know. So. So... Alright, cool. Cool stuff.
1: Yep. Everybody have a good Father's Day.
0: Very much. And uh from there. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, in their thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see you know is good this way you don't waste time so check out the iron radio store at ironradio.org, org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in so thanks for listening